0: Today is the start of our Christmas series we're entitling it, Emmanuel, God with us and today we're looking at Mary's story and then next week we're gonna look at Joseph's story and then the Shepherd's story and then on Christmas day, the Magi's story. So we're starting today looking at Luke chapter one and verse 26, let me read it to you. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in a hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. A little bit more. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this account that's been preserved for us. It's a beautiful account and we ask Holy Spirit help us as we look at it again to read some things afresh And to draw insight that will do us good and inspire us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's something about Mary. That's the title of a rom-com from about 1998. I I think I saw it, I can't really remember it, I don't want to recommend it, but it's where a man gets a second chance to meet up with his dream girl from high school 13 years after a disastrous date. Well, you don't need to know the plot, it was the title that I loved. There's something about Mary. You know, in compiling his account of Jesus' life, Luke spent time with first-hand witnesses of Jesus. And that included spending time with Mary. And I think Luke, having heard some of her stories, would have ended up thinking, there's something about Mary. I mean, in this passage we read today, many people would agree that Mary was blessed by God. That's what the angel Gabriel said when he first Turned up. He said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. When I was a a child and growing up in church and we went to carol services, I thought the line about Mary in in a Christmas carol went like this A highly flavoured lady, Gloria. It was only later I discovered that she's not highly flavoured, she's highly favoured. Very different, completely different. Uh, thankfully, I got my theology corrected quite early on. You know, Gabriel went back to her and re- reassured her again in verse 13. He said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So Gabriel thought she was blessed, but so did Elizabeth. As soon as Mary turned up, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, that is Elizabeth, and she exclaimed in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women and blessed is a child that you will bear but you know thirdly even Mary agreed that she was blessed in her song that we read out there she sang from now on all generations will call me blessed so so what is it about Mary well the first thing is that God chose her he gave her a unique and I would say a prominent role in his great plan of salvation. I can take my glasses off now. There could only ever be one mother to Jesus Christ, the great saviour of the world, the Emmanuel, the God with us. And Mary got to play that part. I mean, that's wow, you see, Mary would become the one person in history who would fulfil the prophecy of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is the origin of the Christian hope. That at the fall, one of the things God promised is that a son of Eve would come and crush the head of the serpent, representing the devil, despite the servant having struck his heel. And this, of course, was fulfilled. We know that. When Jesus appeared defeated on the cross, only to rise to life again and destroy all the works of the enemy, the evil one that was introduced when Adam and Eve first sinned. Mary got to play that part. But let's remember, I believe we we are each given a unique part to play in God's story. It might be a less prominent one than Mary's, but God has graced each of us with a unique combination, a blend of circumstances, of relationships, of talents, of opportunities, through which he wants us to help advance his kingdom. And as with Mary, the precise parameters of the, God, of the grace God has given us, well, they're down to him. It's his prerogative after all. See, Mary was chosen by God's grace. There was nothing she had done to deserve it or to earn that privilege. And it's the same for us in the parameters of grace that God has gifted us with. However, I believe there was something else about Mary, something particularly noteworthy, and that is her faith. Mary is a great example of a person of faith. I love Hebrews chapter 11 in the Bible. It's a list of great people of the Old Testament who, who live by faith and they're inspiring. I think if I was to compile a similar list based on people in the New Testament, I would start with Mary, a great example of a person of faith and, and Elizabeth as well for, for that matter. I'm pretty sure it was the faith that Luke saw in Mary, having spent time with her, compiling some of these accounts that really struck him. And he wanted to make sure he captured in his prose. And it was faith that Elizabeth also was struck by when she concluded her spirit-inspired proclamation as the two of them met up. She said this in verse 45, Blessed is she who believed. Who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her? You know, I think we can, we can fall into two errors regarding Mary, and we need to avoid both. The first error is that we think too much of her. And in general, it's the Catholic, the Orthodox traditions that can fall into this trap. For example, there is a, a theory that Mary was also the child of a virgin mother. There's no evidence of that in Scripture. There's there's some that believe that Mary lived a sinless life. But but again, quite the contrary. It was her and her husband, Joseph, who went to the temple to offer a sacrifice for their sin. Only a a chapter later, in Luke chapter 2. Some thought that perhaps Mary remained a virgin throughout the rest of her life, as if that was some special quality. But the Bible's clear. She had other children in her lifetime. Some regard her as a co-redeemer, a co-mediator of the new covenant along with Jesus. But we see right at the beginning of her song, she declares her need for a saviour. So that can't be true. So we, we mustn't think too highly of Mary, but neither should we think too little of Mary. That's the other error. We shouldn't ignore her and not think too less of her. That could be more likely our error as we're in protest, if you like, to the opposite extreme. But while Mary is not meant to be an object of our faith, she is, I believe, meant to be an example of faith. And this is how we're to view her, I believe. I mean, after all, it's how we view Paul in the New Testament. He's not an object of our faith, but he's an example of faith for us to imitate. I've got five ways in which Mary's faith, I think, is an example and an inspiration to us. First, she displays faith in difficult circumstances. Verse 26 says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged or betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. We get a few facts about the situation, and her name was Mary. You know, based on the facts alone, the circumstances, I think Elizabeth would have been much more blessed than Mary in many people's eyes. I mean, after all, the miracle baby that Elizabeth had was much more naturally welcome. She'd been desperate for a family for years. She thought she was too old to ever conceive. She had probably been shunned and shamed by her society for not producing, but now she was entering her second trimester. And on the other hand, Mary's situation was starkly different. She she was a nobody from, from nowhere. She was young, possibly a teen, she was poor, as we know, they brought just a couple of pigeons to the temple, a prescription only for those in poverty in, in the second chapter of Luke. She, she was unmarried and, and so would also be shunned and shamed for a different reason than Elizabeth for, for having a baby out of wedlock by her society. She was also betrothed, or pledged, as it put it in in my version, to be married to Joseph, which is something for many of us we don't fully comprehend. And it just made life a bit complicated and messy for the couple um, following the, the news of Mary's pregnancy. Because, you see, betrothal meant they'd exchanged formal vows before witnesses, but they stayed living apart and not living as married, possibly for another year or so. And to end that agreement, Joseph would have to apply for divorce on the grounds of marital unfaithfulness. And she was also from Nazareth. I mean, what good ever came from Nazareth was what Nathaniel infamously said in, in John chapter 1 when he heard Jesus had came from there. I mean, Nazareth in the day had a poor reputation. It, it was associated with Gentiles, it was somewhere rural and up north, a little bit backward. She was also a woman and in that society then, as still in many today, she had a lower standing. If she was gonna try and convince people of her story, it was gonna be an uphill struggle. And, and what a story. I mean, how unbelievable, how, how tricky it would have been to convince anybody of the things she'd heard. But despite those difficulties, Mary believed that the Lord would fulfil her, his promises to her. And she did so, I think, with, with some enthusiasm. I don't know about you, but, but my faith can dip when the circumstances aren't so convenient. For example, I believe God has told Caroline and I, my wife and I, to move to the Wimbledon area, to be part of the venue that is here at Wimbledon. But it's proving to be tricky. Moving house, stressful, time-consuming, with many hurdles to overcome. And it it is easy to start questioning, "Did, did God say, is this the way? Just because the circumstances aren't falling so neatly into place. But no, we need to hold on. What has God said? well, then we need to press forward despite the challenges. Secondly, Mary displayed faith when she didn't know how it was going to work out. I mean, on hearing she was going to have this baby boy called Jesus, who would be great, be called the Son of the Most High, who would sit on David's throne and have an eternal kingdom, Mary simply asked, how can this be true? How will this be? Um, I'm still a virgin, she explained. You see, Mary, I believe, she knew it would happen, but she didn't know how it would happen. And Luke gives us a a stark contrast from the earlier part of the chapter that we didn't read when we look at Zachariah, because his response to an angel on the prospect of a, a baby being born to his wife was quite different. He asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well on in years, which is a polite way of saying she's quite old as well. You see, they both asked how questions, but they were different how questions. Mary's how question came out of faith. She believed it would happen, but wasn't sure how it could happen. But Zechariah's question came out of doubt. He still needed convincing that it was going to happen at all. The angel had delivered a message to both of them, quite a supernatural occasion, but that wasn't enough alone to convince Zechariah as it was for Mary. Now the result of his unbelief was that Zechariah was rendered uh, unable to speak and possibly unable to h- hear, at least until John... Was born, But Mary's faith, it didn't even waver when she heard this remarkable thing that she would should conceive by the Holy Spirit, not in the conventional way. I mean, personally, I think I would have asked a few more how questions, but, but Mary just answered like this, In faith, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled, in verse 38. You know, the, I don't know about you, but for me, there are a lot of things. I don't know how God's going to do it. I read the promises in the Bible. I, I reflect on the prophetic words he's given to the church or, or to me. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. It sounds impossible. But let's remember Mary. She didn't, she didn't doubt that it would happen, even if she wasn't sure how. We can be like that too. And thirdly, she demonstrated faith being outworked in actions. Let's look again at verse 39. At that time, as soon as she heard this news, Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And that whole beautiful account of them two coming together began. Now, it doesn't feature, does it, often in our nativity plays, but I do think this was a key moment in Luke's gospel account. Mary and Elizabeth coming together. I think on the one hand, it it highlights, doesn't it, the, the honour and the dignity that God gives both to women and to the unborn child. And often in society then and now, we don't give honour to both quite as God would have us. But on the other hand, I think it also illustrates further Mary's faith. I mean, she only went to visit Mary and it was out of her way and it would have involved quite a lot of effort and maybe persuasion of her parents and Joseph because the angel had told her that Mary also was miraculously with child and because Mary believed both these things she went as an outworking of her faith James, in his little letter at the end of the New Testament, he he argues that yes, we're saved by faith, but unless faith works itself out in our actions and our behaviour, he says, then perhaps it's no faith at all. And he illustrates it, he looks at Abraham's life, who he said demonstrated his faith but by offering Isaac on the altar when God asked he illustrates it by pointing to Rahab, the prostitute, who, who he said demonstrated her faith by hiding the spies in her loft. And I'll suggest to you that, that Mary's got a similar story. She demonstrated her faith. How? By going to visit Elizabeth. It was a natural thing to do, because she believed. I don't think God had to tell her, or, or did in fact tell her to go, but it was an outworking of her faith. And that's a challenge. I find that challenging because I know sometimes for myself, I, I want to pre- God to prescribe my every move before I do it. But, but I don't think he always works like that. He might give us a theme, something to believe, but, but some of the detail he lets us work out. He wants our faith to prompt our actions. Yes, actions that are in keeping with faith. That might mean for me at the moment, I need to sell my house even though we haven't yet got one to move into. Because we're believing that God wants us to move into that particular area. That might mean for me, I need to open my mouth. I need to share my faith. I I need to offer prayer. I need to prophesy. Why? Even if I'm scared or not sure what I'm going to do, because I believe God wants to encourage that person, or maybe even save that person, or break into their lives in some way. I need to open my mouth. My my actions need to follow my faith. Number four is that her faith was strengthened by another and faith is strengthened by one another. Elizabeth in verse 44 says, It's as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears that the baby leapt for for joy in my womb. And I think the other dynamic that this story illustrates is the value of spending time with other believers. I mean, I'm convinced that both Mary and Mary and Elizabeth were deeply encouraged by the few months they spent together. It was because they met that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. It it was because of their coming together that that John in the womb was filled with the Holy Spirit as the angel had promised Zechariah earlier in that chapter. It was because of Elizabeth's prophetic encouragement at a loud voice that Mary burst into this spontaneous praise. Would she ever have written that beautiful, profound, moving worship song if it hadn't been because they came together in that moment? Perhaps it was the mutual encouragement they received from one another that that gave Elizabeth the courage to come out of self-imposed isolation, which she'd been in since hearing of her pregnancy I don't know why maybe maybe she was fearful of what others would think and it, it, it perhaps gave Mary the strength to return to Nazareth to go back to Joseph now with a bump beginning to show a, a, and a bit of a story to tell you see faith is fueled by fellowship I need you you need me if we're to grow in faith I'm told uh, that people like to go on a park run. Um, In this country, at least, and maybe in other countries, there are 600 locations where people gather in in hundreds at 9am every Saturday to run the same 5,000 metres in the mud, in the rain, and in the crowds. Why do they do it? Because somehow doing it with others spurs them on and it's for the same reason we meet together in small groups, in in life groups, whether online or in person it's it's why some of you might want to meet as a prayer triplet or go to your your Christian fellowship at work or your Christian union at school or college because it spurs us on And, and let me just add to that, I think faith is particularly fueled by charismatic Fellowship, spirit filled fellowship. That's what Elizabeth and Mary modeled with their prophetic encouragements and their spontaneous songs. So, whose faith can you encourage this December, this Advent season? And finally, number five, faith overflowing in personal worship. Mary burst into this song in verse 46. I'll just read the first little bit. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. You know, firstly, I think Mary's praise is deeply personal. She praises God for what he has done for her. Let's look at some of these phrases. I rejoice in God, my Saviour, for he has been mindful of me, his servant. All will call me blessed. He has done great things for me. That's just in the first few lines. You see, praising and thanking God for what he's done for you personally I think is one of the best ways not only of entering his presence, but but of fanning into flame our own faith. In time like Mary, this this could become an automatic, a default position, whatever the circumstances that we might be in as we're holding on to faith. Perhaps she's learnt this from Hannah's song, I mean it's got some similarities with what Hannah sang in 1 Samuel 2 on on learning that she too has been miraculously uh, made pregnant, Perhaps she learned it from the, the Psalms. I mean, we've got 150 songs right in the middle of our Bible, each of them a personal song of praise with a backstory of challenge or struggle that just resonate with personal praise. I enjoy singing along with everybody else to worship songs or, or, or on Spotify or on a CD, but, but sometimes when I'm out walking, maybe when I'm in a car, on my own, or or maybe just in the gaps in corporate worship. I love to let my imagination loose and to start singing a new song. I don't care if people hear what I do, that's why I'm in the car. But in corporate worship, we're all doing the same, so it's okay. It's often not very clever. the lyrics wouldn't ever make it into the top 40. Uh, The songs, the tunes wouldn't probably make it onto the worship team's repertoire. But but in the moment, it's an expression of personal praise to God. And I think it reaches the part of our faith that the composed songs, however wonderful they are, don't always reach. And sometimes I find God prompts me, wants me to, to share some of it publicly for our mutual encouragement. I encourage you this Christmas to try it with all else that's going on. Let, let's, let's carve out those moments of just bringing personal praise to what God has done for us over the last calendar year, to how he saved us and rescued us and all the testimonies we've got stored up of his goodness to us. You see, there is something about Mary and it's her exemplary faith. So let's be inspired by her and her example. Let's, let's believe God even when the circumstances are difficult. Let's believe God, even when we don't know how it's going to work out. And let's grow in faith together. Let's let's work it out in our own actions. Let's mutually encourage one another, even charismatically. And let's let it overflow in our personal worship life. Thank you. God bless and happy Christmas.